He's the owner of the most educated feet in professional wrestling. Some would call him the professor. Some might call him infamous. We call him the host of the show. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? It's time for the Undisputed Podcast with Bobby Fish. Okay, boys and girls, children of all ages, we are back with a brand new episode. <laughs> and we're not going to spank it this week. Uh, not spanking. But well, we got a guy this week who's been everywhere. <clears throat> he's we? literally everywhere right now. Like he's- yes. He's right now he is he is not in Florida. He is not in upstate New York. He is in jolly old, you said it, Frank. Japan. Japan. He's technically Nip- in the future. Or Nippon. Or Nippon. Yes, as what? the natives call it. And yeah, we, we, have, we still haven't introduced him yet. I'm just saying he's, we haven't. Yes. He's been everywhere. He lived <laughs> so, through the Attitude Era. Spit it Kevin out. Kelly's here. Kevin there Kelly's it here. Is. Kevin Kelly. Well, since you're so, uh, you know, again, if you're insisting <laughs> that I come on, of course. Um, yes. <laughs> jolly, jolly old Japan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's fun for Valdi, bus rides. Yes. You know the fun, Bob. I do, and I recognize the uh, the wall behind you. I recognize the the window. I guess, for lack of a better term, window. Sh- I don't even know what to call that. It's not a window shade. It, yeah, it's it's a it. sheer. <laughs> Let's call it a sheer. Right. How about right. the window itself that doesn't really close nope. Nope. or open? Well, that to prevent you from committing uh, Harry Carey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's since it's also uh, mid March, they haven't switched the building's system over from heat to air conditioning. Oh, oh. That's why the window is open. Yeah, I don't and that. there's no air in this room at all. So. Yeah, and and those hotel rooms, I'm assuming, haven't changed too much over the years, and they are notoriously tiny. Yes, and we I stayed in, we were in Kyoto. We've been everywhere. We've been from Fukushima all the way, and now we're in Okayama. So oh, shit. this is the yeah. furthest west that we will be okay. uh, after the show as we record this. Um We'll be heading back towards Tokyo uh, tomorrow and then uh, finishing up the Best of Super Junior Tour as we record this that this okay. coming weekend next week. Okay. So, But I stayed in the actual smallest room I've ever been in in Kyoto. It was smaller than the yeah. usual small room. This yeah. one ain't too bad. Okay. It's a modern hotel in Okayama, which is above a big camera. Yeah. So it's like the top five floors above the big camera. It's kind of nice. Okay. But it's still no air conditioning and sure. Yucky poo poo. I do remember uh, numerous times in Japan being able to touch the walls in my room. You know, and I I'm a staggering five foot eight and three quarters. And the wingspan, I mean, the guns are, they're still there, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I see it. They're still there. Frank. We call them them pythons. Get a good look at those, Frank. The ladies' pet, the men's regret. What you see is what you get. 
Never Look at that wingspan, Dennis. Dennis, is that, that is that envy in your voice, Dennis? A little bit, or, yeah. Yeah, or well, shame. And don't ask him what's in his pants. I know what's in mine, and I don't have. It's a new game on the undisputed pod. I don't have much control over these bowels these days, Kevin. Oh no! Now at the ripe old age of forty-six, depends if you're out there um, looking for a sponsorship. There it is. We've been lobbying for a Depends sponsorship yeah. for quite some time now on the podcast. Yeah. I'm waiting for one of these dirt sheets to pick it up and, and report <laughs> that Bobby Fish now uh, doesn't have control of his bowels. <laughs> I mean, I did lose. I, I did put over Abe Lincoln. Do you know that, Kev? Yeah. <laughs> I did put over Abe Lincoln. Yeah, but it was two out of three falls. He didn't just walk right over you. <laughs> Let's be fair. I did put up a fight. I did put yes. up a fight. Yes. All right. Well, all right. Fair enough. Kevin Kelly, my old friend. Um, I do miss uh, I, I miss our conversations. I'll be honest. I miss them. I miss you. I miss a lot of people, but hanging out with with uh, with you is always a lot of fun. We had good times. Uh, we did. Whether we were just traveling together or uh, sharing did. our shared experiences or doing commentary or whatever it was that we were doing, yeah. man, we always had fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The commentary. So that brings me to uh, the business end of this. You are in Japan, uh, commentary for the King of Sports, New Japan Pro wrestling and this is so the tour you are on now is the um <laughs> the uh the, the wave um this is uh best of the super juniors no this one is the new japan cup oh the new japan this is the spring heavyweight tournament and the winner will face the iwgp world heavyweight champion which is kazuchiko okada coming up on april the 8th at ryagoku oh. holy shit Wow, there's a lot going on. All right, yeah, all right. Then um, the best of Super Juniors is in the month of May. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I should yeah, have known that. We've gone. The schedule got a wonky with COVID. They there were mm. a couple of things. First was the Olympics, mm -hmm. the poor Olympics that they tried. And then uh, so we moved things around for that because there was going to be umpteen zillion people in Japan in the summer. Yeah. Uh, then the next year, COVID. So we stayed on that schedule. Uh, we kind of got back to normal last year. Now this year, we're getting to where the tours are back to their normal two-week span instead of three because okay. of an inability to get venues, because some were closed for COVID, et cetera, et cetera. So now it's more like it was pre-pandemic and the crowds are cheering again finally thank god nice and it's it got it's coming back to feeling there for a while no oh it was, was brutal it oh, they man. in fact they just ended this it and these people are they're delightful here it's the most civil society in the world yeah, yeah. there's 
there no you can't find a trash can but yet there's no trash on the ground why because if they don't see a trash can they'll hold it until they do uh, or just I've take seen, it home with them yeah. and throw it in the garbage i've seen uh, cigarette butts go into pockets yeah it's yeah but they um they're rigid rule followers and of course, when the request was made from the government, it was never a requirement and wasn't the law. It was a request, wear a mask. Most of us, we all complied for a little while. Then I got tired of it pretty quickly and stopped. Uh, others did quickly as well. All the Westerners, us foreigners, we were, you know, the rabble rousers. But we're the Japanese the boys and all the, and, and all the Japanese people, 99.9% .9 of the citizenry continued to wear masks. Yeah. Even through the heat of the summer where the government said, you know, you don't have to wear a mask when you're outside. And they continued. Yeah. People dropping dead in the streets from heat stroke, but they had a mask on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then they they came out with new COVID guidelines. Hey, as of March 13th, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. It's not a request. Now it's totally up to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing, which was not wearing a mask unless I'm forced to. And... Yet, I go out, and everybody's still wearing masks. Hmm. I don't know. I think they like them. Well, I, I will say, um, when I first... That, that was the first time I saw people wear masks in public, was in Japan. And that was sort of a, um, a, a, a gesture of politeness on the part of somebody who had a cold or, you know, yeah. was sniffly or whatever like even the like the most mundane thing um that was just how polite the society was and you would see people on the train wearing a mask and they you know they weren't about to perform surgery or anything it was you know because they had a average everyday cold and you know so they've gotten into and and but it's at the same time that civil society means people also never want to step out the Japanese philosophy of, you know, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Um, and they, as a result, were really seeing, I thought there would be more strain on it, to be honest with you. I thought this would be the thing where people would finally just go tear that mask off and say, no, I can't follow these rules anymore. Leave me yeah. alone and let me live my life. But they, they've stuck with it, even the young people. And yeah. You know, but it, and it's not like, oh, they're a very happy people because tragically mm. um, the, you know, suicide rate here is pretty high and has gotten mm. higher, especially with young people. Um, oh. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of strain on it. They want to follow the rules. They want to do things the right way. They want to do what their moms and dads did, what their grandparents did. Yeah. Um, but, man, they're it's bursting at the seams. I can sense it. They want wow. to they want to scream out and be their own person and live their own life. Wow. Wow. That's interesting because, that you know, that's not the Japan um, I left, you know, but we're also talking. What was it? Four years? Three? I don't know. Seven years ago, maybe. The yeah. Last time I was there. So things have changed. Things have, have, have changed quite a bit. You know, world events affect things here and I, I think people just want people in general just want to be free they just want to be yeah. free of whatever it is that the government might be telling them free of uh societal rules familial rules whatever it might be they want to just do their own thing and be left alone yeah 
Yeah, I do feel like um, <clears throat> as a society, they they are very non-questioning of their government and very, um, you know, get in line and follow accordance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you, you'd have to imagine that at, at some point, um, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of pushback and a little bit of resistance. I think it's a different kind of resistance or pushback than what we as Americans, you know, cause we question everything. Um, right. And rightfully so. I mean, rightfully so like our government is, uh, it's not to say that the Japanese government is any more trustworthy, but like our government, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I don't trust Americans as far as you could throw them. No. Um, you know, but yeah, it's and uh, it's not a left or right thing with me. It's a uh, if you're in a suit standing behind a podium mm -hmm. uh, and with some official decree or doctrine, I'm immediately questioning. I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. The yeah. left wing and the right wing are both connected to the same bird. Exactly right. Uh, look at those look at sage, sage words. Look at that. By by the Polish guy in the left yeah. corner. I, I was know. gonna say something. I know, and I, I know. pulled it back. I pulled guy it reads back a book and he, guy PC, reads a book and he Kevin. thinks he's better than me. He thinks he's better than me, Bob. <laughs> but you're good. Hey, Bobby, Damn I appreciate you readers. not appreciate you not going there. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Would, uh, <laughs> yes, I've I've developed a filter since uh, since we were running buddies, Kevin. I know. Could have used that. Bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob the slob has been retired. He was put away, um, put away wet, but he's not. Uh, he's he's not found his way back to the to the surface and he probably never should not if i want to stay married to my wife right yeah see so, what uh, happens which i do i mean that's why i married her i married her because i like having her around i'd like uh, i'd like her to stay so there's bob the slob mm. now there was dickhead jay is that one of the ones uh, the you all had you all had nicknames dickhead guy dickhead, dickhead guy, guy. Kevin, uh, you never Jay. wanted dickhead guy yeah. and Bob the slob in the same room. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> dickhead guy and Bob the slob would have caused a potential like uh, nuclear um, <laughs> holocaust. I mean, who, yeah, Whew. hotel <laughs> rooms, airport shuttles, yeah, yeah, or definitely not on the same flight. Holy shit, <laughs> yeah, if forget you, you know, yeah. That would uh, that wouldn't have ended well. But. We just knew we needed to get Jamin in his seat in the plane because immediately, as soon as he would sit in the southwest seat, he would be asleep. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he was. He was. He was. It was just get him there. It was get like a race. To the seat. It was a race of consciousness. He he would you know it was like get in there before the consciousness is gone because it's going. Right, it's going. We're on, but in the we're meantime, on. while he was still conscious, it oh. was dickhead guy. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. you're having to do jujitsu to get him, uh -huh. you know, not arrested by TSA or yeah. whatever federales were in yeah. in around. Yes, dickhead guy will will dickhead guy was uh, a little little bit unpredictable. Little yes. Unpredictable. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kevin. Um, and only because we talked about this earlier, right, Frank? Uh, do oh, you have a, a, a favorite um, Jamin story or dickhead guy story? 
Oh my gosh. And we can even um, come back to it before the end of No, of I'll, the I'll give you podcast, one. Unless you got one to your time. You know, we've been because like I did it with Owen Hart, you know, mm-hmm. when Owen passed, and it just would seem like uh for a a good year or two, and still every once in a while, like I'll have a dream and you know, mm-hmm. Owen will be in the dream. And it's been a lot with, with Jay as of late, you know, of course. And I was thinking of the of time we were at the so they were booked for Wrestle Kingdom, um, and they were they were going to win the Never Belts for the they crown new Never Six Band Champions with them him and uh, Jay Mark and Toriano. Yes. Um, yes so oh, night or so God. before, uh, Mark is we're all in Mark's room and it's me, uh, Jeff Cheeseburgers there, Jay. Uh, okay. Mark lays in his bed and he's getting ready to go to sleep and then he dozes off and starts to snore. <laughs> All right. So then we kind of give Jay the Iggy to maybe drop an elbow on his brother. Well, <laughs> he stood on the other bed and oh, jumped as high as he possibly okay. could in the air and landed not with his elbow on his brother's chest, but rather with his hip and his torso and every bit of him. <laughs> Right into Mark's chest, driving mm. all the air and his soul out of his body. <laughs> his soul actually left. <laughs> and yes, and Mark shot up out of bed, <laughs> like, <"Boo!" laughs> yeah. and uh, commenced a whipping on his older brother, of who got course. in the fetal position on the floor saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, while, <laughs> while Mark whipped beer cans at him. Yeah, yeah. That had come out of the hotel fridge. Yeah. Oh, those are oh, expensive, full. expensive full beers. Those are ex- I think those because are like, I the, think they're ten thousand dollars a can. Yeah. <laughs> they stopped, by the way. I'll I'll have you know, they stopped having uh the mini bar in the fridges not long after uh Dickhead got here was another one. Same tour. <laughs> <laughs> He's I on the him. floor. He's he, well, of course, pacing the halls all night, and it started with strong zeros at Sizer Sizeria. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, strong zeros will do you. Do you? They get you. So he he kept yeah. going and wanted to debate politics and all kinds of things. It was a crazy scene. Mm. Everybody else taps out. Uh, Jay's pounding on doors looking for somebody to talk to. Eventually, <laughs> goes to sleep in the hall, aka passes out. Yeah. Um. And that was where he was found at six o'clock in the morning when a uh, um, a, a young waif got a pillow from her room and a uh, blanket and covered him and put a pillow under his head where he slept until like 10 o'clock. Yeah. We had to go home that day. Oh, so perfect. Oh, yeah. So perfect. Those are perfect. just two that come to mind. There's many. Yeah, there are many. And it's just the perfect, uh, just the perfect person like in in every way jay jay was just such a a real and it's been said so i don't won't belabor it but he just he was so just him like what right. you saw was what you got um you but you you know talk about dependability you know professionally personally like if he was your friend he's your fucking friend and if you had to fight like he was going to be there if you needed a ride or you needed money or you needed an arm you know if you were missing an arm 
Jay was your guy. Um, right. But real as fuck. So real. Scars, yeah. warts and all. That 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 man, he just, uh, you know, it was, everything was on his sleeve. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, yep. so you, Bobby, you still are, uh, you've, you've relocated and have now, you now call the Sunshine State your permanent home? I do, yes. We live in uh, Ormond Beach, Florida. So about an hour from Orlando, a little bit closer to Daytona. My my wife, uh, that was closer to her job. Um, so we we started looking for a house out here. At that time, you know, my job was in Orlando with WWE, but um, you know, then as things change, it just it it's still same thing. I mean, it's pro wrestling. We can. We're used to driving 14 hours. Um, you know, a, a seven hour commute is kind of the norm. So, yeah, an hour commute, nothing. Normies don't understand. No, no, it's weird. It's weird how desensitized you become to it. I just did three and a half to go to Boca Raton for um, uh, a, a booking uh, Sunday. And um, it was like over, like I blinked and it was over. I was like, yeah. Holy shit. wow, <laughs> three and a half hours. When you get and and you probably knew this because you were making all those trips, you know, to Japan with Noah. Like when you fly back and forth to Japan, that's ten to fourteen hours, depending on the wind and where you're yeah. landing. Um, so when you fly domestically, even like a three or four hour flight, oh, mm-hmm. it's like a puddle jumper. It's like no big yeah. deal now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you, and if you start making them with any regularity, you know, like, like Kyle and I got to a point with new Japan, you know, similar to where you are now, where every month we were going over and sometimes we were going over for three, four weeks. Other times we were over for a weekend. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're doing that flight. And then in 48 hours, you're doing that flight again. So, yeah, you uh, you get a whole different concept of travel. It's right, and it. I don't know if it if it helps you. If it, I, I, I'm sure medical science one day will determine whether or not all of that time spent under pressurized cabin air and airplanes is good for you or bad for you or has no effect on you. But <laughs> who knows? I think who we're knows? we're the science experiment. I think we're the ones that are. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think before that, it'll probably be the. Um, irrational number of bumps I've taken um, as far as the effect that that's had on me and the amount of times between playing, you know, starting Pop Warner football and um, martial arts at nine years old up into my uh, adult um, earning years in a career in pro wrestling, the amount of times, you know, the head trauma, um, <laughs> my poor wife, She's the one that's, you know, she's going to have to make sure the Depends are securely fastened. Depends plug. Another Depends plug. Yes, we are. We're all over. Frank, you need to write some things. Come on. You got to get some. (laughs) Earn your keep, Frank. Duly noted. Duly noted. I've been asking you this for weeks now. Earn your fucking keep. You are useless. Wow. That's true. (laughs) 
Was it a fart? Was it a shark? <laughs> Depends. Ah, Folks, where's the lie? There's a million of them. Come on. Uh, this is what right. we need. We, and this isn't a money thing. This is an actual product need. It's <laughs> tragic. And we're not we're not looking yeah. for payment. We we need some just so in return some underwear or some some you know adult diapers so we can yeah Dennis. all right <laughs> so let's get um i you know i people tune into this for uh i would think a little, time. little bit of um business talk um kevin you've been you've been in the industry wait you think people listen to this no no i'm oh, talking okay. about my relatives Oh, got it. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. They want to hear, and I'm just uh, trying to get there without being so obvious. (laughs) So, Kevin, you you've you've been whether it be WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, you've been there, you've done that, you've seen it all. Um, Owen Hart, um, Jay Briscoe, these are these are greats of of our industry on uh on very different levels etc cetera, etc cetera. what um what do you see today that um give me one glowing positive of today's industry let's start Good. there let's start there let's start with one glowing positive of of today's business we know that today's business is what today's business is but um, I think the athletes of today, uh, and I'll single one out, uh, just for being top of mind and, and kind of a breath of fresh air is Kyle Fletcher. Okay. Uh, one I'm half of with this person, one half of the tag team Aussie open. Mm, mm. They were in world tag league. They've been, okay. they I do know came, both came out of Australia, but were put together as a team, I think by Trent Seven in England okay. when they both were there for their excursions and tore it up in England. Uh, I met them. I don't know them too well, though. Yeah. Good dudes. Continue. You would love them. Yeah. Um, Davis is a hoss. A uh, couple years older than Kyle. Kyle's like a, a prodigy. He's 24 or 25 now. So I oh, I saw yeah. him wrestle. He was nineteen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and and he's six, six three, six four. Oh fuck him again! Right. Um, but and and just adding to his build, like he was a, he was a, a kind of a tall, skinny junior who's yeah. now filling out his frame and starting to become a heavyweight. And the Doctor Hayashi. Yeah, let's I know. Get him, let's get him We've, on the fucking program we've pointed the way to the doorway but he apparently (laughs) has his own ideas um but no he's he's just great and cool so there's there's always hope in that in that next generation there's a a current young lion now uh then there's a few uh in the system that are going to be making waves and and probably the least heralded of the most recent crop is a kid named kosei fujita who's who just has a great personality mm-hmm. and is fun and is very good in the ring don't get me wrong he'll be very good but but kind of gets it like 
so Zach Sabre Jr. and and those boys kind of took him under hit their wing, okay. and we just love laughing and joking and teaching English to them. Um, yeah. So we're so those are the fun parts, you know. The bus the bus is the bus, and the miles are the miles. But we find a way to have our fun. Yeah. Um, there there's positives all around if you choose to find them. If we if we just want right. to dwell on the negatives, boy, we can find them, and sure. you know because they're they're readily apparent, but. I try yeah. to avoid I try to avoid looking at the negatives. I just try to look at the positives. I know the negatives are there. Yeah. And they're not going to go anywhere and it just you know it's part of what kills me about the wrestling business is just the focus at times of some people on you know we'll we'll call them the dirt sheets but it's like it's it's all just shit that doesn't matter it's not for public consumption but because it's not for the public consumption it, the the appetite for it is heightened and it's like the fuck don't you get about this like just <laughs> you're ruining this thing that you allegedly love yes you're ruining the magic but i'll give you this so i'm I started promoting wrestling in Hamburg, PA. And what I'm trying to do with wrestling out of the Hamburg Fieldhouse is, is not bring smart fans or the dirt sheet underlings to these wrestling shows. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring mom's dad's kids yeah. who maybe will come to one wrestling show a year, maybe yeah. two. So I need a pool of about a hundred thousand people to draw to get, one or two visits from over the course of a year. Hopefully it's spread out nice and even so I can have about a thousand people a pop. Yeah. Getting those th hundred thousand people is the work. Yeah. And that's the, you know, advertising, marketing, community events, shaking hands, saying hello, time, word of mouth, etc. All of that takes time. The beauty of it is all of those 100,000 people, none of them follow what goes on on the internet. Yeah. None of them. Yeah. They don't care. They don't follow it. I might mm -hmm. be the gateway towards them starting to get some interest in wrestling. Yeah. But by and large, they're not coming to me, a smart fan already bruised right. and indoctrinated and otherwise right. sullied. Um, right. So, so it's virgin ground, mm -hmm. and we see that with the reaction. That's so a awesome. guy will get hit. A guy will get hip tossed. Mm -hmm. And he gets up and tells the referee that the guy pulled his hair. Yeah. And the crowd says, boo, no. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute, what? Right. Yep. It's minor league baseball. Yeah. People go to a minor league baseball game once or twice a year. They'll go because they go. They don't mm -hmm. know any of the players. The hell, mm -hmm. they barely know. Which team is ours? Oh, we're the guys mm -hmm. in the white and the other dark colored uniforms is the oak. Oh, boo, we don't like them. Yay, our team. And they go and they have fun and they eat some hot dogs and they try to win a TV and they go home. Yeah. That's what I want. I don't blame you. I mean, that, you know, I, I actually uh, in Boca Raton had a, had a show that kind of fit a similar description. At, at least the match that I worked was, was that. And, you know, I've done this long enough to be able to recognize the, uh, you know, the audience. And that's what I gave them. And it was a fucking pleasure. Isn't it easy? 
Yeah, and it was just like even beyond being easy because everybody likes an easy payday, right? But beyond like beyond the fact that it was easy, it was fun. Right. It was fucking fun. Nothing more, nothing less, just fun. I didn't worry about, you know, getting I didn't I didn't literally worried about nothing. I worried about nothing. You know, we, I, I didn't count the bumps, but we definitely took a few bumps. And like, I was, um, you know, I, I, uh, I fed the comeback. And so I took my bumps when they were, when they were, uh, they were called for. Um, but it was just like, it was fun. It was fun setting the table and then going out and, you know, like sitting down and e- eating basically. Um, it, it was fun. It was right. really a lot of fun. It, Did I say it, fun? Um, it was, it was fun. fun. It was fun. Fun. Do you like fun? I, fun? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. You enjoy it. Funny thing fun? is, Dennis, yeah. Frank, you get paid the same. Yeah. Whether you fall down a lot or you fall down a little. This is true, Kevin. And if the crowd is sitting on their hands, they're not having fun. Yeah. Why not just get the do the match for them and not for you? Mm. And maybe you'll get brought back. Hey, the people liked you. They had a good time. Come back. Yeah. Do lessons. Do more of that. And, you know, do less of the dumb shit, more of the good shit. Yeah. This thing's gotten so ass backwards that, like, I don't know if it, I, I hate to say it's beyond repair because that's such a pessimistic way of looking at it. But it is, um, it, there's, there's a lot of work within the work that needs to be put into getting it not back to anything, but to a place where some things from years past are honored that that should be kept and some things are done away with and some things evolve into something else. All of that, there, there needs to be room for all of it. Um, in order for the the business, I think to go uh, to progress and and to evolve in the way that that it hopefully will, because at this point, I really do feel like the business it, it kind of eats itself, and it's a shame to see. The business um, has definitely changed in our professional lifetime, mm-hmm. as the complete shift away from live event promotion. Oh and fuck! COVID just sim- that. Yeah, simply becoming a television company, but the financials, 100. the financials 100%. now are a hundred percent swayed. Yeah. Uh, it, it, WWE is just simply a television company now. That's it. Yeah. That that's where they make their money. Nothing wrong with it. They used to be a live event company. That was where they made their money. Live event right. pay per view. That right. business model is gone. Now it's rights fees. Every yeah. sport is that. Every sport is that. Though, let's yeah. face it. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this to you, Kevin, uh, j- j- you know, being somebody who, who had been with WWE when the live um, attendance and, and all of that was still the, the business model, um, COVID hits. And I found out firsthand that like the, um, the houses, they, they mean so little. Yeah. The house attendance that it, it ceased to exist. And they, uh, the figures I was given was that it doesn't even make up 10%. No. And it's like, what? That, that's insane. 
they used to so in so i got there in june of 96 business starts to turn around uh 97 uh brett and uh sean and brett and austin and all of that stuff and they're sending out emails uh after a weekend of shows and they were in akron ohio and pittsburgh and you know we drew 146,000 in pittsburgh and it was our highest attendance in seven years or whatever they were celebrating these big live event numbers because they meant everything the the per cap which was how much were people spending when they went to the building so you got their you got their money for their ticket but then are they buying the uh you know, are they buying the Austin 316 shirt? Yeah, the foam and fingers. The, and the foam <laughs> fingers and the blah, blah, blahs. And that number was $9 a head when I came in. And I was like, is that good or bad? They were like, it's not good. Yeah. Then, you know, they started tra- like touting the success. And it was $146,000 with a $13 per cap. Whoa, that's good. Yeah. And then in some of the bigger markets, it was 15 18 um, business was so hot that they ran and, and week between Christmas and New Year's is always good business, no matter no matter what. But um, they ran a house show, strict live event it was like on a Thursday night in Memphis, Tennessee, Jerry Lawler and D'Lo Brown on top, I think, against Kane and somebody else. And it drew like four hundred and forty thousand dollars. Wow. It's. You know, it's insane. That was what they were doing. But it was it was the it was the thing that everybody had to go to. It was the cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, Was more a rock concert than a wrestling show. Beautiful. Great. Right. Um, Everything changes. Now it's the the live event business is trying to figure out its place in the business model. But right Mm. now it's all it's all TV. It's all rights fees. That's that's all that matters. Yeah. So what, um, and obviously you don't have a crystal ball, um, but what, where, like, obviously it's safe to say that, that, that the trend will more than likely continue to veer away from that um, and towards, uh, do you, it, what's the next big wave? Is it streaming? Is that the next uh, Oh, yeah, obviously. Thing? Right. So the first the first thing that has to happen is WWE has to be sold in order for us to properly know where the business is heading, because it depends on who buys it. Right. Is professional wrestling set up as a museum piece in a Disney park, or is it an active, uh, you know, active part of Fox's television lineup? Who knows? All depends. Then from there, we'll know what's up, but there is money to be, there's money being spent for rights fees for all sports. And the only shows that draw television ratings are live sporting events. Like football is, (laughs) football does the biggest numbers of anything. Um, So, but there's only so much money to spend and there's ad revenue that's going away and the the television industry is in flux and there's, uh, everything is coming together. You know, Warner Brothers Discovery all under the same, umbrella and they're cutting costs and everybody's cutting costs Hmm. (laughs) next few years are going to be very um there's gonna be a lot of turmoil there's only going to be one national company Mm -hmm. um i i 
I struggle to see a path forward for AEW. Only one to, national wrestling company, or are we talking media company? No, one wrestling. national, one national wrestling company. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I struggle to see how AEW what their path forward is. They could surprise me, but that's just kind of the where I see it. Um, because yeah. there's only so much money to go around. Right. But the good thing is, is that they've completely abandoned the 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 local model. And there is still money to be made on the local scene mm -hmm. uh, for us to go out and have a good time and put on, right. you know, our own version of, you know, pro wrestling, much different than what you'll see on television, but the way it was yeah. supposed to be done. Yeah. So that's huh. definitely going to, that's definitely going to happen. But major sports attendance is going to continue to get, take a hit. Yeah. Football is going to be football's okay. Football's going to be fine. Football's WWE. Of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah. baseball's going to suck. Uh, it's going to continue to go down. And they haven't solved it yet. Well, I don't think any of the gimmicks that they're doing, like with the pitch clock or any of that stuff, is going to change the fact that the American game is boring to go to. The Japanese yeah. game, yeah. Japanese baseball is pretty exciting because there's a lot of singing, dancing. Whatever you look at the Savannah Bananas and what they do, it's yeah. a low-level independent league with college kids, and they go around and and they go out every night and they draw four thousand plus in their old stadium in Savannah, Georgia. Why? Hmm. Because they don't play traditional baseball. Right. They right. they gimmick it up and have fun and make it fans first. In fact, I'm reading yeah. the book called Fans First by the owner of the team because I want to yeah. learn about where the trends are and where right. we are headed as an entertainment industry. And yeah. The more we do for the people, the more we're going to get back. Yeah. I mean, it does. It makes me wonder, then, is there a place for, like you said before, that that not – you never go backwards, but a return to what the business was intended to be, even on a smaller level, just from uh, – even if it's like grassroots, just for people to be able to go out and enjoy an evening with the family um, and avoid – the you know internet garbage discussion of all the the bullshit that like nobody's you know i no i'm I, we're not i'm not here for it like i and your i'd like to say now there's a lot your girls are now in high school right uh madison is uh actually a freshman at pepperdine um, oh my gosh yes congrats in malibu um britain is a senior in upstate new york and um my wife and i we have a uh, a 10 year old uh here who is at uh pathways <laughs> she's uh she uh and she's you know um she's the highlight of the day most days so of course but yeah. you you've seen how you know, uh, because when you were raising your girls, yep. there was no iPhone. There was yep. none of that. And and now everything is immediate yeah. clicks, TikTok, GIFs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we all have to raise our kids differently. Luckily, mine are, my oldest is 27 and my youngest turned 16 on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So wow. I'm almost done. In that regard, <laughs> but parents today, I don't know how they do it, especially with girls. I Forget don't either. It. I don't either. Yeah, it's um, all girls over here. Yeah, the only, it's just me and the dog. We're the only ones with dicks. That's it. And you both <laughs> just sit there and lick yourself and have a good time. 
Yeah, crazy. you know, well, like I said, Kevin, Bob the Slob. So I don't really lick myself anymore. But anymore, I did. Anymore, huh? When Bob the Slob was, you know, he was flexible. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Judge Gary, 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 Gary. <laughs> I listen. I'm working on my DDP yoga certification. Well, if you're any good at it, you'll be so, able to lick yourself again. I yeah. I mean, hey, sky's the limit. Hey, rest in peace, Lanny Poffo. We need somebody <laughs> to bring that back in the business. Come on. This is true. Good point. Wow, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin unearthing some old school dirt for you right here on the Demi Pod. You didn't know that one, did you, Frank? Or did you? Well. Oh, see, Frank, Frank, ah, all right. Where's the lie, folks? Where's the lie? Yeah, yeah. Um, Frank, where, um, because Kevin, you know, unbeknownst to most guests on the show, and uh, I know it's quite unbelievable for a lot of people, we generally format these things. Ooh. We follow a little bit of a a format, and uh, we've been bouncing around a bit. So I'm going to throw this to Frank, because I don't trust Dennis. Um, I'm going to throw the Yeah, I've never trusted (laughs) you, Dennis. Uh, Little known fact, Kevin, um, Dennis and I were born in the same room, minutes, within minutes of each other. No way. Yeah. So That's cool. Yeah, so I've never trusted Dennis. (laughs) Yeah. So Frank, um, so. <laughs> you, uh, potpourri, you pick where, where on uh, said format. I got a good one. Would you like to go? We're going to go back in the way back machine. Okay. I think I know where you're going. We're going to go late, maybe mid to late nineties. I think Kevin just got there. Yeah, Walk us there. through I knew Austin Pillman. I knew, I knew, I knew you were going there. I, it's it's part of why I put it up there. I just had this feeling like Frank wants that story. I know he wants it. As soon as I saw it on the format, I was like, "Ooh, Frank, that's a Frank." It's one of those things in wrestling Laurel that is fascinating. That All you right. can never do it today, though. That cannot happen today. No. Well, I mean, it could because it was live TV. Yeah. Um. All right, but you, you it, comfortable going there, Kevin? I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make the call <laughs> to do it. But you okay. know, Vince didn't care. He was crazy. He was okay. crazy then. He's super insane now. But I would have. <laughs> <laughs> he never cared. Yeah. Um, every time I tell this story, and and it, people ask me, you know, like friends will ask me, they find out I work in wrestling, and they go, and then eventually it comes out. My husband has sure. a question he wants to ask you. Oh, sure. What anything? What happened when you went to Brian Pillman's house? It's the most asked question. No lie. Um, okay. Wow. No every lie, time Frank. I tell the story, excuse me, I'm shifting in my hotel chair. Right, right. <laughs> every time I tell the story, I remember new details, little dip, little differentiators. Okay. And so when I got the the word that I was going to go and do this the previous week or two weeks ago, I had just gone to a live event on a Sunday because they were still taping raw. 
So we would do one live raw, three tape draws, all from the same venue. Uh, then the pay-per-view Sunday, live raw Monday, tape three more episodes. Um, but what they were looking for was some live content or uh, more topical content in those three following weeks. Mm-hmm. And what we got to was me going to Cleveland and the Gund Arena on a Sunday afternoon for a Sunday WWF live event to record a backstage altercation, a locker room altercation between Stone Cold and Bret Hart that we treated as live for the following night's Raw, but it was recorded the day before. Mm-hmm. Did well with that and then get the assignment to go to Pillman's house months later, whatever it was. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of a sad story to start because Brian had had, had the car accident wrecked his foot and ankle needed to have surgery again on it so came up with the storyline of uh steve taking him out pilmanizing the ankle that's where that word came from came from that is just everybody uses it in the industry mm-hmm. um and so he had just had the surgery like the week before brian and couldn't move his foot couldn't move immobilized on the couch and pilled to the gills. Um, and then here we are trying to figure out what to do. And those two came up with the whole idea, the whole plan mm-hmm. and didn't tell us really, or didn't tell me anything. I kind of avoided it, but I, I know that Steve was walking around with Bruce Pritchard, who was there and Bruce was kind of the producer on site live crew to set up the satellite truck was going to show up at whatever time. And before we know it, it's getting dark. Everything's in place. Uh, Here we are now and it's time to go. And Vince calls the audible on the fly. Kevin, you're going to ask Melanie the questions or ask Brian the questions. Then in the commercial break, just before the first segment, I asked the first question and then Vince was going to chime in and start asking questions because he was doing commentary, but he was live, live as this was going on. Right. And so it was very interesting how all of it came together. Uh, Flawless execution because it was one take. Uh, All the bits worked. Everything we got out perfectly. um, And it was like, wow, we did this. It was amazing. You know, so it was a rush. We got done with this live crazy thing on TV yeah. and none of us realized. Oh yeah. So then Bruce and I go to the airport and we're flying from Cincinnati back to New York that night. And we got stuck. We flew continental, uh, which I think became United, whatever. And so Bruce had status and he got me upgraded and we're sitting there and it's snow snows on the ground, snows falling. Uh, we had a couple of beers. I got a buzz. They're de-icing the plane. All of a sudden, we're back in New York. And we get to, you know, I get home, and it's late. I go in the next day. I've got voiceovers. And the first person I see is the international producer, Tommy Carlucci. And I go, oh, hello, Tommy. Good to see you. Oh, what a day. What a day. What's wrong? Oh, you. You and the gun and everybody else. What? What did I do? Mm. Well, internationally, it caused quite a stir. Because it aired on live raw and it wasn't it was a bad thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And then I find out later on that even the USA Network had a huge <laughs> had a huge thing. <laughs> oh, it's a starter's pistol. No, it's it's yeah. not a starter's pistol. Uh, it's not. Glock nine millimeter is definitely not a starter's pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would run if I heard it fired. <laughs> right. But, I guess it depends on who you're asking. Yeah. That's it. Do you remember do you remember football, Bob, when they the, the umpire would pull the gun out to signal the end of the quarter? Yeah. That was in our that was in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. We were kids. Yeah. We were little kids, but that's what they used <laughs> to do. Gun. According to the internet, that's when Bobby started playing Pop Warner football. Just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that was when I finished college. I was graduating. Right. Oh, yes, true. Yeah. Bobby and Pop Warner were line mates. <laughs> yes. I actually think that's yes. yes. I played against Pop Warner. Pulling, pulling guard Pop Old Warner. Pop. Old Pop. And Bobby coming up from his middle linebacker yeah, position. To yeah. I take him on. Yes. I definitely knocked old Pop Warner on his ass a few times. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, yeah, I mean, that was – it was so it had the elements of uh, salaciousness because you know Brian kind of had Melanie make sure that she dressed provocatively so that her cans were kind of hanging out of her shirt. <laughs> of course. Um, and he was the fashion. he was kind of the orchestrator of all of this. I found out you know that mm -hmm. he and it was only after his passing that I started to learn more about Brian and how brilliant he was yeah um he was super nice with me he was he was in a he was hurting all the time yeah. um but man he was pretty smart dude he yeah. would have enjoyed this era he would have had a hell of a time because sure. talk about working the marks oh my gosh yeah right Sure. Well, and one of those guys too, from a creative standpoint, I think that would he would have found a way within this business to use this business not against itself, but you know, for lack of a better t phrase, yeah, kind of against itself. And that's what I think is the the stuff I appreciate the most when I see it is that kind of color outside the lines sort of perspective. And people, you know, they've, they've come in this business, Brian being one of them, um, you know, and, and the way that that he kind of curated his gimmick um, across company lines. And then, you know, and it was it almost becomes that's the stuff that becomes legend because it's um, it, it does. It crosses company lines and it goes outside the lines and it it uh it you know it passes the the borders so to speak that are never supposed to be passed you know it's a you're not if you're wwe you're not supposed to talk about aew if you're aew you're not supposed to talk about wwe it's you know it's like um but a guy like pillman it it didn't matter the stuff, he did, the stuff he did ecw is brilliant there is a skit with him i don't know if you can find it or not but he's in, I think, his house, and he's wrestling a number two pencil, a life-size number two pencil. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that one. And the pencil, he puts the pencil over. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> but that's the type of stuff that he was doing, you know, back then. He was working 
he wasn't just like some sideshow guy trying to get the the marks to come in the tent. He was working the carnival operators. He was working yeah. Bischoff and McMahon. Yeah, yeah. And they were doing the job for him. Mm -hmm. He got he got guaranteed money with a busted foot that should have been cut off. Mm -hmm. And nobody was getting guaranteed money back then. Yeah. What he was able to do, you okay? So extrapolate that. Put it. Put the value on today's money. Where would he be? He'd be like the owner of UFC. Yeah, yeah. He'd right. have Dana White and Vince McMahon and and everybody else just eating out of his hand. Yeah, yeah. It'd be crazy. Yeah, it kind of puts into perspective the um, the creative brilliance of the man, and that at the end of the day is is really what sells pro wrestling or combat sports or any of that stuff is like almost the um maniac create like the maniacal creativity like that level of creativity is the one that just um it it colors so far outside the lines that the people don't see it coming but when they see it they can't get enough of it Exactly. And they'll pay whatever dollar is required to get some of it. And that's, you know, that's writing your own ticket. And that's a special individual. Well, it's it's a an um an example of that was what you and Bobby did, what you and Kyle did rather in Red Dragon. And it was taking some of the inspiration from Conor McGregor, which I didn't know because I'm not a UFC guy. I'm not a mixed martial arts fan, but you got me into watching it because I wanted to know what you were talking about, what you were striving for when you were like, I'm we're trying to go and do something that's against the grain. Mm -hmm. And when what we saw was the the more that we did that stuff with you guys, the more the popularity came up because it didn't fit the conventional mold of of the way uh, a heel tag team or whatever you guys were what the way you should be presented mm -hmm. because you just wanted to up the douche factor i remember that yeah you wanted to be douchey <laughs> we were as douchey as we could be how douchey can we be and then yeah. it parlayed into money so yeah so that's where the red dragon the suits the jacket that's where i came from i never knew that yeah we were trying to be the like as like, douchey as we could be because if we so like the tight pants that i would wear and the scarves and i would wear my my glass that's where the mustache came from you know was like because it, it even though it's a little bit stylish now it was like at that time it was probably too stylish for people you know so it was the idea was you're a douchebag but like how annoying is it if the douchebag can might be able to kick my ass like you know then i i mm. kind of like okay i can point out that you're a douchebag but i might get my ass kicked um but then it was also even a layer beyond that because there were times that like you know we would um you know we could hold our own but at the end of the day we were heels so like you know, Davy Richards and, and Eddie Edwards at the end of the, the, you know, the final call of before the curtain finally comes down, they're going to win. You know, they're going to beat us. We are going to be, you know, you can then call, then it will be safe for you to call us a douchebag. 
Yeah, you until know. you get up and you you twirl your mustache or whatever, yeah. and you or you put your scarf back on and you get all your heat back. Yeah, and then that's where like you know that and and I'll say Kevin and a I appreciate you even bringing that up, um, but that's I think some of the most uh, satisfying um, time in my career because we got to there was enough room that we could implement things and we could do stuff and we could you know play it out and see how it went and and try things and you know at the end of the day that's that's what i think pro wrestling is is for most of us is that creative outlet i i think for you that's what commentary and and the behind the scenes has always been is this creative outlet for you to be that like to to pour your creativity into yeah, I, I always, and and the one thing that with, I'll never blur the line or pull back the curtain. One of the things that I always do as a play-by-play guy is I'll hold true to the tenets of what I was trained in. So the fact that I get the respect today um, as, you know, voted wrestling announcer, of the year or whatever by the wrestling observer fans. That's nice. That's wonderful. But I am the antithesis of AEW commentary, which is sort of like, you know, all over the place and kind of inside and a little snarky. That's not really me. Um, I'm, I'm more kind of in the roots of the industry, but but either way, it's cool. That means I'm, I'm doing my job well and people like what I'm doing and that's, that's what I'm there for. Um, the announcer is never there to get themselves over. The play-by-play guy is there to get everybody else over. Right. If I get everybody over, then I, I've done my job. Yep. So that's like every time I had a guest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were Steve uh, Carino in Ring of Honor goes after BJ Whitmer. You can't fight from the commentary position. We suspend him. Then we couldn't figure out how to bring him back, so we had to bring him back as Mister Wrestling Three. But that's another story. <laughs> but then I, so I needed. I needed guests and I had different people. I thought, you know, BJ Whitmer, this one, that one, then it's Bobby Fish. But when, so when Fish comes on, we're going to talk much more analytically about what we're seeing in the ring. And I was like, oh my God, what a breath of fresh air this is. It's so much fun. (laughs) We can just, and we can, we can be laughy jokey when the mood fits. But at the same time, Bobby's going to break down what this hold is and, how he's grabbing the arm. And I'm like, oh, this is brilliant stuff, man. Come on. Mm. Well, I will say my, myself, I, I privately, uh, you and, and Steve were probably my favorite duo on the, on the stick, on the, at the table. Um, you guys really just had such a, such a dynamic between the two of you. Um, you know, you're both um, some of my favorite human beings to begin with. So well, that helps. I'm biased, I'm yes. biased, obviously. But uh, yeah, did they ever? Did they ever talk to you about commentary at, at in uh, WWE? Um, I did. I took it upon myself. Um, Vic, Joseph, and yes. I, uh, we would do some stuff uh, on our own. And, and Vic would pull me in that room a few different times to try to get some reps. And, and we discussed like, and that was a direction that I definitely um, wanted to explore. Um, 
still want to explore it now, you know, uh, but things, things changed a bit, uh, there. And, and then I, I think too, um, in my run with WWE, uh, it was it, eventually the undisputed era thing got so much momentum and it was like, okay, well, the, what they wanted from each moving part was, was, you know, was plainly explained to us. And the the Bobby Fish from Red Dragon um, in in Ring of Honor, uh, there, you know, I was starting to see the writing on the wall that there was no real place for him um, because he was way more vocal and way more squeaky wheel, um, and that wasn't what they were asking me to be. So I pulled it back, and and I was happy to pull it back because I loved our group and I loved what we were doing. Um, but I think then because of being in WWE and that being such high profile, uh, whatever you're putting out there that people, um, developed, maybe it's this new generation of wrestling fan developed the belief that like, oh, well, yeah, he can't talk, you know, and, and Kevin, you, you were there for some of my, you know, the uh, time when all I did was talk. Because that was how I got myself over was my mouth. And and at the time, and it's no knock on Kyle in any way, I just think Kyle was in the process of finding his voice. And yes. then, you know, when when we were in WWE and NXT, you, you started to see Kyle's voice coming out more. Um, but like I said, it, it just, I, I think me... Um, being willing to pull back and play my role at that time, I think it may have cost me in a, in a, in a way with some, um, you know, future fans or people in the industry working wise that are like, okay, well, yeah, he can't talk. He can't cut a promo. He can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't right. see you talk. Therefore you can't. Right. And it wasn't that I couldn't, it was that that wasn't my role. I was, it wasn't, you know, okay, I get a, I'm, I'm in mission impossible. I don't get to go. Well, no, Adam Cole's not Tom Cruise. I'm fucking Tom Cruise. No, you know, like that's not the way it works. And I don't no. want it to work that way. Adam Cole's one of my best friends, you know, yeah. um, but yeah. you're, you're Robert Urich. You're not, uh, <laughs> you're not Burt Reynolds. You're goose. You're Jerry Reed. <laughs> Jerry Reed got himself over though because Burt Reynolds wanted his friend to get over. See, that's the thing. <laughs> See, Kevin knows. If, right. I, if, I'm, producing, if I'm producing the movie, I I make sure that I give Bobby Fish, you know, a good a good role there yeah. to where he gets over because I know that down the road I might want to spin this thing off. I could right. be just sitting in the producer's trailer and I'll let Bobby do all the work. Yeah. And, you know, we'll give him a dog or we'll give him a monkey or we'll give him something to work with. And, and it'll be Bobby Fish and the dog uh, mm -hmm. on the silver screen. That's all yeah. I care about. So let's blame this whole thing on Adam Cole. Yeah. Adam Text Cole's him. a bad Burt Reynolds. And yeah, you, it's all you can't. Ball. No, I mean, I like Adam Cole, but you can't put him and Burt Reynolds in the same sentence like that. No. Well, I mean, Adam doesn't. I mean, you're Jerry Reed. I, I'll give you Jerry Reed. You can be Jerry Reed, but uh, can I be Jerry Rice. That's the question. Jerry, can I be can, Jerry Rice? I don't think you can catch. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. 
I was. Uh, what about Dom DeLuise? Can you be Dom DeLuise? Nobody can be Dom DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, Frank, come on. Frank, don't point at yourself. You're not Dom Frank. Dom. Come on. <laughs> I'm Bobby's Dom DeLuise. Yeah, yeah. Drinking wine and playing with the elephant. Frank, you got to laugh at his jokes more. He's, yeah. he, whatever Burt Reynolds said, Dom DeLuise was there to just laugh at it. Those guys, <laughs> can you imagine being that that crew from Cannonball Run to oh, the man, uh, Smokey and the Band? Cannonball Run, holy shit! Have you they ever just seen the outtakes from that? They were just drunk, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> And they somehow slapped a movie together out of it. I have no idea. Somebody needs to remake Cannonball Run. No, please don't. That needs to come back. Please. Mm -mm. Yes. No, please don't. Dennis, stop it. No. Okay. No. Have you seen the outtakes of Dom DeLuise trying to get his lines out with Burt Reynolds? And Burt Reynolds is like slapping him in the face because he's laughing outside the van. That's why I want, yes, I want this. That's what they, you know, now you pay $14 to go watch a, a Marvel movie. And yeah. but they stole the idea from Cannonball Run and from Spokey and the Bandit, all the outtakes. There you Blast go. Me. Blast the me. outtakes are the best. Yes. All right. Well, let's, um, let's kind of take this home with um, Kevin. How do you feel about um, giving us a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling? So four individuals. Good luck, by the way. <laughs> what? <laughs> These are hard. Uh, on the spot. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Undertaker uh, did it on the show. <laughs> Undertaker did it. Just in general, okay. Bob, give me some qualifiers. A, okay, it doesn't have to be a hard four. It can be, we can, we, there can be like three honorable mentions. Let's, um, let's go, Frank, help me on this. Are we going, are we going wrestlers, managers, are we going, uh, well, I, I mean, we were going to throw some qualifiers in there. Let's make it a little bit easier on them. So to put in context. Four. Taker Maybe. Taker did this. He had Andre, he had Flair, Austin, and Hogan. That was his four. Okay. Um, if we make it referees, all referees. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Danny Davis. Brian Hildebrand, Tommy Young, yeah. Earl Hebner. There you go. And Joey Morella. Joey Morella. And Jerry Calhoun. See, I'm a, ten- uh, see, I'm a Southern... Or Bill Alfonso. Fonzie. Fonzie is in there. Jerry Calhoun is in there. Um, The Hebners. So Uh, did the Hebners take up two spots or one? Not one. One, right. I I think Earl was better than David. David Moore, the business guy. Right. Um, But that would be my top four. You've got to have Brian Hildebrand, Bill Alfonso, uh, definitely not Bronco Lubich stomping <laughs> on the floor, stomping on the mat with his foot because he couldn't get down. Um, <laughs> Bronco Lubich, <laughs> what a world! I'll throw it, I'll throw right. Red Shoes Uno in there just because he's go. there. You he's, go. Um, he's a good egg. Yeah, good, good egg. egg. By the good way, egg. Marty Asami says hello. Oh, Marty. My good friend Marty. I told him Please I was doing your podcast. Turn it, and he goes, "Oh, Bobby Fish." 
Bobby Fish. <laughs> Bobby Fish. <laughs> Please tell him I uh, said Konnichiwa. I will. Uh, oh, I if you want to throw, okay, all-time four biggest stars in in Please. the industry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's let's go. You're you're Mount Rushmore, and then if you need to throw a couple men, honorable mentions in there, feel free. See, mine are mine are Flair, Dusty, Hogan, and then Savage, Sting, those types of guys. Um, right. That's it. from my. My generation of fandom. If you want to throw a Steve Austin, a Bret Hart, that's yeah. a little bit more of kind of the modern era for me. But when I was a fan, so would that Sting was at the Taker too. Uh, Taker was just a Taker didn't start until after I was in the industry. Okay. Yeah. And once I was in the industry, kind of being a fan, kind of stopped i really wasn't following everything like i probably should have right. um right. as i got older my mount rushmore would change dramatically because you would start to see you'd start to see okay this is what dusty did really well but there were some things that taker did better there were yeah. some things that bret hart did better than anybody else but rick flair was was much better um yeah. so there's always qualifiers depending on the era you know top four talkers i would have said you know hogan and and flair and dusty but then over the last couple of years i've become the biggest ernie ladd fan that there is really and i'm i'm obsessed with his promos wow like go i, go back I seek them out them. on youtube and Really? There's a five-minute deal where he sits down basically with Gordon Soley. He comes out. Championship Wrestling Florida kicks off. Uh, Gordon welcomes the people to the broadcast. You know, I want to take a moment to talk about this situation with, uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes and his date with Destiny and the number of uh, men that seem to be coming to the area as Ernie Ladd is making his way over. Like Ernie Ladd, for example, and who says, Rhodes, you're through in Florida. Rhodes is through in Florida because he has it stitched on his LeMay on his LeMay vest uh and and then Gordon says we pro we would like to get uh you know of course you have a match scheduled Mr. Ladd and uh it would probably be wise now would be a good time for that to happen wouldn't you agree uh do anything you want you're just a television announcer well all right we'll be back with Ernie Ladd right after this Ernie Ladd squashes enhancement guy back to the desk with Gordon here comes Ernie Ladd and basically Gordon is questioning Ernie about being a bounty hunter. And that was all they had. Five minutes later now, it's, you know, Ernie's covered all this ground and he's called Gordon a racist and he's done all this. <laughs> you're the biggest agitator on television. Wow. And from all indications, you're a racist too. You're prejudiced too. Oh, man. <laughs> and... It, basically, he he denies and then completely confirms that he's there to be a bounty hunter. So it was just brilliant. So I love Ernie. I love all things Ernie Ladd. Uh, uh, Jerry, you know Jerry Lawler's punches. Jerry Lawler in Memphis, watching yeah. his psychology unfold, and yeah. Nick Bockwinkle and and all of that style. Um, mm -hmm. I never liked wrestling for the wrestling. It's weird. I liked wrestling for the angles and for the promos.
Mm-hmm. And then I got to weird. be appreciated. I don't, I more. don't think that's weird. Yeah, I got to be more appreciative of the wrestling. Well, because everything that we saw on TV was, you know, Frank Williams versus uh, Iron Mike Sharp. And it would be, yeah, it was kind of slow. And we knew who was going to win when the bell rang. Sure. Um, but then when the, the second bell would ring and the match would be over, that's when the excitement would happen or not. Right, right. Um, so I have though. several Mount Rushmore's. It just depends on the on the category. Okay. Uh, but Dusty's pretty consistent at the top of all of them, just because yeah. of what he was to me as a fan. Okay. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I get it. that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I get that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, certainly a uh, more than acceptable uh, Mount Rushmore with the accoutrement of the uh, explanation behind it so um yeah i mean I, I go back and watch to um, home run Kevin. if you if you um if you type into youtube the turn of 1980 okay that's what it's titled and the you'll see how ole anderson lays oh, out good. lays out the turn on dusty roads in the cage in the omni okay. yes all right and i was I watch that and ernie loud we were on so i'm in the shuttle bus we we flew from another part of japan back to haneda before our flight home and so we're in the bus taking us between terminals and i'm standing with cody rhodes and i'm basically reciting this promo (laughs) (laughs) perfect seven minute thing um kind of word for word so he he was trapped he had nowhere to go he probably wanted to jump out of the window of that bus (laughs) No wonder why he left Japan. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's all worked out for him. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I think he's doing all right. I think all he's right. going to do okay. Can we do this again some other time? Because this is fun. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure, Kevin. You have an open invitation to come back on the Demipod whenever you see fit. That door is never closed for you, sir. Okay. Yeah. Honor and privilege. What? Honor and a privilege, sir. That's how we feel when Frank talks, too. We're just, yeah. What? You want to say anything about spanking, Frank? We going to spank anything? Not tonight, boy. <laughs> All right. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me get my plugs in. Hamburg, Pennsylvania, Please. American Excellence Wrestling comes your way with an action-packed night of bouts on Saturday, April the 29th. Nice. Uh, autism acceptance is our um, uh, we're our fundraising cause. This is our and the annual uh, honoring those who suffer from and deal with family members who are on the spectrum. And we do a big mm-hmm. fundraiser, so we're very excited about that. Uh, your pal Martin Stone will be back, unless you hate him, Bobby. <laughs> no, um, no, which is possible. Little. Not even a little. Martin Stone is wrestling in the main event, so we're very excited oh, about wonderful. that. Wonderful, wonderful. Yep. At yeah. this is AXW on Twitter or right. uh, on the uh, Facebook if you're so inclined. Just type in American Excellence Wrestling. Leave off the E because we didn't want to get sued by AEW. <laughs> oh. um, That's good. So, That's good. Yeah, and and Bobby will be with us at some point. Maybe yeah, September, Kevin. Whenever. We'll figure it out. Yes, sir. 
we'll come up with a date. We'll have you there. We'll let you, we'll, we'll have you do a seminar during the day and teach the youngins. Perfect. Frank, you and can come. Dennis, maybe. Frank, maybe. No. Tell some Frank, jokes. Definitely not. Frank, you're not invited. I'll do the job for you. <laughs> oh, we got plenty of guys that can do that. Yeah. <laughs> not like me. Yeah. Well, it's probably true. <laughs> uh, well, Kevin, an absolute pleasure. You please enjoy the rest of your time in Japan. Thank you. Uh, tell the boys over there, I said, konnichiwa. I will uh, tell everyone. Tiger, if you see Tiger Hattori, tell him, uh, tell him I said hi. <laughs> I will, and he'll go, what's he, what's he doing, man? He lives in Florida. Oh, Florida. Oh. Yeah. yeah, what's he what's he doing, man? Uh, he's in- <laughs> Tell him I got myself a secretary. <laughs> he got a secretary. I got oh. a secretary. We, you know, it was in July. We got, you know, we got. I got. Yeah. All right, I will. I will take care of all the highs, hellos, and welcomes. Yes, sir. Appreciate and this has you. been a uh, a really fun time. Yes, Kevin. I and I'll come back. Please, sir. Thank you so much for coming today. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank Love you. you all. All righty. Goodbye. <laughs> Frank, what do you got? Anything good? The shirt I'm wearing. Where's the lie? Where can yeah. You Bobby Fish Apparel. BobbyFishApparel.com. We're going to have some new offerings coming out, too. Uh, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe uh, where's the truth? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Look at that. I think we just came up with a new shirt. Mm-hmm. Right on the podcast. Hoochie coochie coo. What the fuck? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's end this thing. All right. BobbyFishApparel.com. Frank is out of thoughts. Bobby, you know uh-huh. how we do. Uh-huh. Okay. Say good night, Bobby. I'm all jammed Good night, Bobby.